0: Welcome to No More, Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. I'm Winnie Caesar, the Global Head of Strategy. And I'm Zach Griffiths, the Credit Sites Senior Investment Grade Strategist. As strategists, we aim to make sense of the macro and the micro, highlighting opportunities and the risks facing the fixed income markets. As important as the macro call may be, we understand that credit investing at its core comes down to keen single name selection, and we at Credit Sites benefit from the expertise of our team of over 100 analysts across the US, Europe, and Asia. This podcast offers a look at the conversations that we have with our analysts on a regular basis. If you are an investment professional focused on the wide universe of fixed income, you'll want to give this podcast a listen. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the No More Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. I'm your host, Zach Rufus, Senior Investment Grade Strategist here at Credit Sites. Joining me today is our Senior Airlines Analyst, Roger King. Roger, thanks for joining. Hey, I'm always glad to
1: talk about airplanes.
0: All right, let's do it then. So, we've been asking an opening icebreaker question. Wondering what our analysts would like to have a sneak peek of as far as any economic credit market or sector specific data goes for 2023. So what would that be for you, Roger?
1: Well, for me, um, I would like to look into a crystal globe and, uh, sort of see what the recession might be. You know, there's all kinds of, uh, theories about it. Uh, so far, the demand is extremely strong for airlines. Uh, and yet we hear that there's other sectors of the economy where consumers are pulling back. So that's kind of like where probably the biggest uh, headwind is out there in the future.
0: Definitely. It's certainly been an interesting start to the year. We started the the year in January very hot. It's been a bumpier road recently. So just to tee up for our clients, what is your sector recommendation on the airlines for 2023? And Give us an outline of how you arrived at that recommendation.
1: Well, I've been uh, positive on the airline industry for a long time. Um, You know, I would say going back 20 years probably, there's been some hiccups along the way, and the biggest hiccup, of course, was uh, COVID, and spreads all widened out very wide because in April of uh, 2020, planes just weren't flying at all. I mean, there aren't too many industries where revenues go to zero. I guess hospitality and airlines are probably the two. And cruise ships. So um, uh, it's all bounced back. Now uh, travel is at the same level as 2019. And um, EBITDAs are back to 2019 levels. And I expect that they'll go higher. One of the reasons is that capacity is constrained by lack of pilots by the air traffic control uh, uh a system, um, you know, breaking down and other like long term issues with it that will probably never be changed. And there's also some, you know, supply chain problems, um, especially with the maintenance of engines. There's a lack of parts and things like that that have kind of like kept some planes on the ground or on the ground longer. And those issues are going to take a while to work through. So we're going to have a at least until this recession happens, if it ever does, uh, we're going to have uh, you know, more demand than. Um, a supply, and that's pushed fares up significantly, as everybody who flies knows. Uh, in fact, the yields are uh, 20% higher than 2019. So that's actually been very strong on the top line, and that's covered cost inflations, you know, especially uh, fuel price. And now like labor costs are going to be like, rising quite a bit over the next uh, three years. Right. In terms of our specific recs, the only IG credit is, um, is Southwest Airlines, and its net debt is in a cash position of $4 billion, but it's still rated triple B. Now, I'm not a ratings guy. I probably never will be, but I have an overweight on that. In terms of the major airlines, Southwest, American, United, and Delta, Delta has always, has always had the tightest spreads. United in the middle. And American is out in the, you know, has been out in the stratosphere. Now, through the COVID uh, recovery, all those spreads relative to each other have narrowed. I always had an overweight on um, or an outperform on American and United relative to a market perform on Delta. But up until about a month ago, United spreads finally merged with uh, Delta. And uh, so I went to a market weight on United. I'm still very bullish on uh, on American Airlines bonds. It's rated triple C across the board. It was uh, highly levered going into the pandemic, and now it's starting to delever, and it's not a bankruptcy candidate in any way, shape, or form. So that is again, I'm not a ratings uh, expert, but I predict that will be upgraded to single B.
0: Awesome, that's very helpful kind of framing up context as far as the major players go. So I, I feel like you went through some of the relative value considerations. What are you thinking about from a fundamental perspective? I know you mentioned American Airlines has delevered a bit, give us a little bit more of a kind of rundown of what you see unfolding this year. And I would kind of give some context from the strategy perspective. We are not expecting a recession in 2023. Certainly been interesting to see all of the turmoil from a banking sector perspective, but we think the U.S. economy is strong. And so I would kind of provide that context to sort of your outlook and what that means for the airlines.
1: Well, thank you very much. Um, that's, that's good to hear for the airlines. What's going to happen is um, the airlines all built up significant like liquidity at the beginning of COVID. And um, so they haven't issued any debt since. And I don't expect them to issue any unsecured debt this year as now they do have capex like requirements uh in a case of american it's pretty low because they ordered all their planes before COVID and got uh, stuck with a real high debt load whereas uh, uh united and america and delta have very old fleets and they are playing catch-up on their uh fleet like rejuvenation united has a eight and a half billion dollar Projected CapEx hit this year, and Delta's probably around six billion. Or so. most of that will be airplanes, and they'll probably either do sale leasebacks with their as the planes are delivered, or they will issue EETCs. So I expect heavy EETC issuance this year, especially at United and Delta. They haven't been issued in a long time, and so they've always been well received by the market because you get the um, credit quality of the airline plus the asset buy of the airplanes, and these are all brand new technology aircraft, which are in very high demand right now. So Can you take how would, us
0: through some. What is an EETC for some of our listeners that might not be familiar?
1: Well, it's a form of um, of aircraft uh, of financing. It's kind of like a mortgage back you put the secured loans on the aircraft, and then those secure loans are owned by a trust. And the trust issues bonds. So those are the EETC bonds. And the uh, cash flow off the secure loans of the aircraft equals the cash flow of the um, EETC bonds. So sometimes they're called you know, pass-through certificates. It's an interchangeable term. The market loves them. I think they're gonna come with high coupons. I think they're a home run.
0: All right. And do you have an estimate of how much we might see in those? Is it kind of just depending on the funding mix for that projected CAFX that you just walked through? Or is there anything on top of that that you're looking at?
1: Yes. um, Well, I would say several billion dollars. The aircraft leasing outfits around the world are also very flush with cash. And um, leasing aircraft is more expensive than owning it just like with a car. So um, it's a function of, of how the capital markets are receptive to the EETCs versus how they are receptive to the aircraft lessers.
0: Interesting stuff. So that's definitely something to take an eye on this year. And, and you're very positive on these EETCs if and when they come to market. So kind of getting back to your overall recommendation and thinking about the the airline sector, what would you need to see to change your Recommendation on these individual names and on the sector as a whole? Is it really coming down to economic catalysts? And if our call is wrong, if we're in a recession, I'd imagine that's a, a big driver. Is there anything else
1: sector or issuer specific you're focused on? Well, I sleep like a baby at night, at least in terms of airlines and aircraft lessors. I got other problems that I have to deal with. And, and that's, great. Uh, that's reassuring. I think the airlines fundamentally are in very good shape. There's a lot of demand out there. Um, they don't really, it's sort of an oligopoly of like United, Delta, and American control about 80% of the business. Everybody else really doesn't like move the needle and they don't really compete against each other. They are focused on their own networks and maximizing like revenues out of the customer base, which they're getting better at through um, having a segmentation. All their affinity cards are, they're getting much more professional about exploiting different ways of making money off those. So things are going pretty well. The international markets are still you know growing and corporate has not fully come back. I think that rule of thumb is corporate's about 80% back. In terms of travel, of course with the prices up, that like revenue is back, but the actual fundamental demand is not fully recovered. So there's a lot of tailwinds on the top line. The problem is headwinds on the cost, like line items. There's general inflation across all line items. Fuel, of course, is very volatile. It was up a lot. It's down a lot. Who knows where it's going to be in the next six months or a year. Uh, I'm kind of like negative on um, oil. I I think oil is going to go up, but that's just me. And then the Delta pilot contract is about a 35% wage increase over three or four years. And all the other pilot contracts will luck reflect that. And then that will filter down into, um, you know, flight, you know, flight tenants and mechanics and whatnot. So like labor is going to be a big increase line item. So the, really the question is two things. When capacity is not constrained, will there still be enough demand to keep prices up? And two, Will those prices be kept up enough to cover cost inflation? So those are the two things I worry about, but they're not today. So maybe I'll have nightmares in six months or a year.
0: Okay, so sleeping
1: good now. Yeah.
0: I'll look in six to 12 months, maybe a little murkier.
1: Yeah. Makes sense to me. And so
0: when thinking about the market, how do you think clients are positioned in your sector? Do you think they share your views when you speak to clients? Are they... A little bit less positive. What's your sense as far as investor positioning out there?
1: Well, nope. I think the clients are pretty happy. Are the bond clients? Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, airline equities dropped like a rock, of course, with COVID. Then they had an irrational exuberance in two thousand year twenty one and rallied strongly. And from that, they've airline equities have fallen off to now where the Airline Equity Index is pretty much at the same level it was during COVID, even though the situation is extremely uh, better. So I guess the equities are worried about a recession. I thank you very much for telling me that there probably won't be one this year. But the bonds have rallied all through this thing to where your spreads continue to tighten up until just recently, just about a month, you know, with this banking crisis stuff, spreads have widened a bit. But up until that, there's been a general long-term trend of spread and narrowing, which is opposite with the equity market. My best picks, of course, like I've been saying, has been American Airlines. But there's one I think people should, there's a couple issues that people should look at. Assuming my theory that American Airlines is an upgrade candidate, there's a bond the three and three quarters, which is an unsecured note due in 25. That has about, probably about nine or 10% the yield to it. I think if it's an upgrade, that'll come in. And then the American Advantage bonds are secured by the affinity program, you know, the mileage program. And those are notched. There were three affinity programs at the same time during COVID to raise liquidity. The first one was the United Mileage Plus bond. And there were two Delta Miles bonds and then two American Advantage bonds. And all these programs are the same. And the structure of the deals are essentially the same, but United and Delta are rated triple B, and American's rated double B. And I think that's because of the notching of the triple C corporate rating. So I believe that if there's an upgrade, that those will get notched up to triple B. So I think there's a lot of upside. Those also each bond has a sinking fund. The shorter one starts sinking I think this year or next year, and the longer one sinks as soon as the first one is mature. So those are added little features in there that um, you know we don't see sinking funds anymore. Back in the old days, um, every broker-dealer desk had a sinking fund desk because there are a lot of sinking fund bonds out there, and they've kind of gone away. So those are cute little features.
0: Can you walk us through the mechanics of a, a typical sinking bond, one of these?
1: Well, like um, they start sinking and have to buy in about, eight. in, in the case of American, about 8% of the uh, the par amount has to come in every quarter, uh, every uh, six months. So it's just a way to reduce bondholder's exposure against the security. Now the security is great. Basically, you have a first lien on the affinity program itself. I believe these affinity po- these mileage programs are ingrained in middle class America. Everybody has their card, and so that's not going to change anytime soon. And um, you also have a first lien on as the cash comes in f- for your debt service. Now, once the cash is into the Affinity Program, they pay off debt service, and then they buy any tickets that people redeem, and any excess cash goes up to the parent. But as the money comes in, you have first lien on that cash. So I, I think they're screamers. And um, as a result, um, I'm really pounding the table for the, for the advantage bonds. Awesome,
0: that's extremely helpful. And so, those are some great outlines of your top picks and how you're thinking about the market and relative value across those bonds. Do you have any top pans that you would want to highlight, or bonds in general that you don't like here?
1: No, not for airlines. I'm Uh, happy
0: for airlines. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess moving along, you already said you sleep very well at night. I've been asking. Our analysts, what what worries them? I, you know, I, you have outlined that if we do have a recession, which I noted is not our base case right now, I guess the question almost becomes, will there be recession in 2024, which is certainly up for debate. I feel like it's hard enough to look a couple months into the future, let alone a full year plus. But are there any risks that we haven't highlighted that you would want to make sure our clients are aware of as they listen through the podcast?
1: Now, I think we've highlighted the recession risk and we've highlighted the cost risk. And it's just a a matter of whether a demand stays high enough that fares will cover all those situations.
0: All right. So we've got our our risks out there. And I think an interesting question for you, Roger, as, as we kind of wrap up here towards the end. You have any, if you had any advice for management teams in 2023 in the airline industry, what would that advice be?
1: Oh, I would tell them, uh, I ask horrible questions, so I've been uh, excluded from all the, all, all the conference calls. I, I think it's funny that they like only the equity analysts, and the equities have been doing horrible. And certainly this year, they're not going to be issuing any equity, and they're going to be issuing a lot of bonds, and they don't, and they don't let bond people on their calls. And I can't even uh, tell them that because they won't uh, pick up my calls. So, um, Maybe uh, they should start. yeah, I think all conference calls are equity based and certain industries are debt based, like aircraft leasing, airlines are debt based industries. Treasurers would like to have bond bondholders on the call, but the CEOs are all trying to pump up their uh, deferred income from equities. So. It's just really pretty much the softball questions from the equity analysts that get asked. So top advice to airline executives,
0: let Roger King back on the earnings calls to ask the, the tough questions that need to be answered. Is yeah, that fair?
1: That would be the top line item All uh, right, that I would say.
0: All right, well, we've got the marker out there for airline management if they're listening, but Roger, thank you so much. This was a great discussion. I think there are a lot of great takeaways. For our clients so really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast
1: well thank you very much
0: for having me on all right great and thank you all for listening we'll catch you next time credit sites disclaimer all price references correspond to the date of this recording this podcast should not be copied distributed or reproduced in whole or in part neither Credit Sites nor its affiliates, makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information contained in this podcast. Credit Sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice. It's not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is Credit Sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. The receipt by this listener of
1: this podcast is not the giving of advice by Credit Sites or its affiliates.